0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. We're gonna, we're gonna look at verses thirteen through twenty-three. Matthew two, thirteen through twenty-three. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, our heart's desire and prayer this morning is that you would speak to us through your word. We ask that you would... Open our hearts and minds to receive it. We ask that you would cause us to have a greater love for Jesus Christ because of it. That we would praise him and worship him in spirit and in truth. That he would be honored in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things I enjoyed over Christmas break was watching my kids open up their presents. I enjoyed this because we gave them gifts that Becky and I knew would surprise them. We'd watch closely as they tear open the wrapping paper and see the box that had their toy inside. Well, as you already know, my family likes Legos and we like superheroes. So this year, we got Ben a Batman Lego set. He stared at the box and looked at the picture, which showed all the pieces that would be inside. Batman, Catwoman. The box showed the size of the Legos. And the box showed all the different ways that he could build the Legos. But still... It was just a box. The box wasn't intended to be an end in itself. Rather, it pictured the reality. It pictured the actual toys that were inside. But by observing the box, Ben understood more fully what was inside. The picture on the box pointed to and prepared Ben for the actual Lego pieces. And when it came, when it finally came time for him to open it, much to my satisfaction, the Lego pieces closely resembled the picture on the box. And as a result, the actual Legos brought the picture to their intended goal, And its fullest expression. In a similar way, this is the idea of fulfillment. This is the idea of fulfillment that Matthew draws our attention to this morning. In our text this morning, Matthew shows us that Jesus fulfills or brings to pass what the Old Testament scriptures pointed to. What was pictured in the Old Testament, in the people, and in the significant events, and the significant pattern of events, pointed to Jesus, and therefore found its intended goal and fullest expression in Jesus Christ. In other words, what we will see this morning, and for the coming weeks, as we continue in Matthew's Gospel account, Is that Jesus will relive the story of Israel. His life will closely resemble the history of Israel, the picture. But where Israel failed, Jesus will succeed. You see that, we see that, don't we? As you look at Matthew's gospel account so this morning, what I want to do is I want to highlight three truths that come to pass and reach their intended goal in Christ. First, first, Jesus will bring a new exodus. I see this in verses 13 through 15. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Out of Egypt I called my son. Joseph is warned in a dream that Herod is going to search for Jesus because Herod wants to kill and destroy Jesus. So the angel warns him to flee to Egypt in order to protect the child. Joseph, after being warned about Herod, immediately obeys the angel of the Lord. He rises and takes his family by night, and he takes them to Egypt. He goes to Egypt so that Jesus will not be destroyed by Herod. Just as Moses, just as Moses in Exodus 1 and 2, just as Moses was protected from Pharaoh while in Egypt, so now Jesus is protected from Herod who is seeking to destroy him. We see here again that God intervenes in history to protect Jesus from the threat of Herod. And Matthew says, "This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son." Matthew is quoting Hosea 11:1. He's quoting Hosea 11 verse one. Hosea eleven one says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. In Hosea 11, Hosea tells the history of the people of Israel from the exodus in verse 1 to their idolatry to the exile and then finally to their Future deliverance. That's what Hosea 11 is about. So when we look at Hosea 11, verse 1 in its context, we recognize that Hosea is not predicting some future event. Rather, he is giving a recap of Israel's history as he looks back in verse 1 at the Exodus when God delivered Israel out of Egypt. In Exodus 4.22, Israel was called God's son. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. If, if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. In Moses' day, God delivered Israel, his son, from the wrath of Pharaoh by bringing them out of Egypt. This is the Exodus. In Hosea's day, as he looks back at the events in Egypt, he sees another Exodus. Just as God delivered Israel, his son, out of Egypt, so now, even though Israel is about to go into exile, For their sin, God will deliver them from the enemy, from the Assyrians. A pattern is established, or a picture of what is to come is evident even within Hosea, who sees the Exodus as God's great act of deliverance. So there's a promise that God will again deliver Israel, his son, from the enemy. Matthew picks up on this pattern doesn't he and he picks up on this picture and he sees Jesus as true Israel as God's son who goes into Egypt so that a new exodus will occur just as the Lord delivered Israel out of Egypt in order to be a light to the nations so but failed so now Jesus who is delivered from the enemy From Herod comes out of Egypt and he will succeed. Matthew is teaching us that with the coming of Jesus, there will be a new exodus. And, brothers and sisters, we should rejoice in this. We know this to be true of us who are trusting in Jesus Christ. Our new Moses. Jesus Christ led us out of our slavery to sin. Our Passover lamb was given for us. And his blood was shed for us for, for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's what we will celebrate shortly. We will celebrate the death of Jesus Christ for us. We celebrate that we have been delivered from our sins. We have been delivered from the enemy because he died on the cross for us. So Jesus, as God's Son, is delivered from the enemy. And all who trust in him, all who belong to him by faith, will be delivered from sin, Satan, and death. So Jesus brings a new Exodus. Second, Jesus will end the exile. We were introduced to this theme already in chapter 1 as Matthew gave us the genealogy of Jesus by moving from Abraham to David to the exile to Christ. We saw this in chapter 1, and I briefly touched on this a few weeks ago. But I want to draw your attention to it again this morning because. We see it more clearly here in this passage. So look with me at verses 16 through 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. So Herod is tricked by the wise men and is furious that they did not report back to him. And in his rage, after figuring out how old Jesus would have probably been, he decides to kill all the male children in Bethlehem and in the surrounding region who were two years old and under. Bethlehem was a small town, much like Glidden. It had around a thousand people that lived there in this area during Jesus' day. And so Herod has all the children, two and under, killed. Perhaps around 20 children were killed. If you can imagine this happening in Glidden, the entire town would be affected. We would be devastated. There would be weeping and mourning heard here in our church and throughout our town. None of us would be the same. To watch our little ones taken from us would be devastating. And this is what happened in Bethlehem and the surrounding region. And as a result, Matthew says, Scripture is fulfilled. In Jesus' day, the death of these children brings to pass the words spoken by Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Matthew quotes Jeremiah 31, verse 15, which says this, Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. In this verse, Jeremiah is describing the exile. As you know, Rachel is one of the mothers of the children of Israel. She was married to Jacob. Her sons were Joseph and Benjamin. And the picture that Jeremiah paints is Rachel weeping as she watches her children carried off into exile. Rachel is buried along the path in which Israel would have been taken into exile. So here's Rachel, here's Rachel in her grave, weeping and mourning as her children are taken away from her. And there is nothing that she can do to stop the exile. There is nothing that the women in Bethlehem and the surrounding region can do but weep as they watch their young children and infants taken from them. They refuse to be comforted because their children are no more. And all that is heard is loud wailing. So Matthew sees the parallel. He sees the picture coming to to pass in Jesus' day in order to teach us that the exile was not over. Though God's people lived in the land of Israel... Though God's people lived in their land, in the promised land in Jesus' day, they were still in exile. But Matthew, knowing the context in Jeremiah, recognized that there is hope as well. Even though there was grief and mourning because of the exile, because these children had been taken away, there is also hope. Hope. The verses that follow in Jeremiah 31, 15, we read in Jeremiah 31, 16 and 17, immediately after this weeping from Rachel, we read this, and Matthew knows this, thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping. And your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. Verse 17. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. And then Later in the same chapter, we have the New Covenant passage in which God promises the forgiveness of sins. So the point then is that there is hope. Exile is not the final answer. Death is not the final answer. Though they were weeping in Bethlehem over their children, There is one who was protected from the enemy, who was in Egypt, and he will bring an end to the exile as he leads a new exodus. The arrival of King Jesus means the end to exile and to death. So, brothers and sisters, may we trust in him. May we find our hope in Christ alone. That though there is mourning now, and it is real mourning and real pain and real devastation that we go through, I don't want to minimize the things that you go through, the things that I go through. There is real pain that you experience. There is real suffering. You may be in the midst of a storm right now. But I want to encourage you that with the coming of Jesus, death will be no more. For he reigns. Jesus reigns until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And when death is destroyed, then shall come to pass the saying, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Do you believe that? With the coming of Jesus, your trials, your storm, your difficulties will end. Death shall be no more. So my prayer this morning is that you would continue to find your hope in Jesus Christ. In your very real trials and pain. That you would let the Lord, that you would let King Jesus comfort you. Third and finally, Jesus will be despised and rejected. I see this in verses 19 through 23. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying... so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. After Herod died, an angel appears again to Joseph while he is in Egypt, and he's told to return to the land of Israel. But Joseph fears that Herod's son will be just as great of an enemy to Jesus as Herod was. He's warned in a dream, and Joseph then takes his family and lives and moves to the city of Nazareth. So that scripture would be fulfilled. Verse 23 And he went and lived in a city, in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So Matthew sees Jesus fulfill the scriptures again, as he now lives in Nazareth, as he is now called a Nazarene. As we consider this fulfillment, of the Old Testament, we recognize that there is no verse that mentions that Jesus would live in Nazareth. There is no verse that says he would be called a Nazarene. So what's going on? We see here that Matthew is not directly quoting the Old Testament. Rather, what I think he is doing is seeing a general theme that is evident in the prophets themselves. Notice what he says in verse 23. So that what was spoken by the prophets, plural. But in verse 15 and 17, Matthew used singular, prophet. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, And then there's the quote. So I think what Matthew is drawing our attention to is a theme in the prophets, in the prophets about the Christ. And that day for someone to be from Nazareth meant that they were despised and rejected. They were scorned. Nothing good could come from this insignificant town. Which is what Nathaniel had believed in John chapter 1 and was surprised to hear that Jesus came from Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth, he says. In Acts 24, Paul is described as a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. This was intended to bring reproach upon him. So in saying that Jesus would be called a Nazarene, I believe Matthew is teaching us that the prophets spoke about the Christ being despised and rejected rather than being known as the one who comes from the royal city, Bethlehem, city of David, King Jesus will be known as the one who came from the rejected city, Jesus of Nazareth. And we see this in the prophets concerning the Christ. Listen to these words from Isaiah 53. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all brothers and sisters as those who follow Jesus, we must remember that to identify with Christ is to identify with the one who has been despised and rejected. But as we close this morning, as we pre- prepare to take the Lord's Supper together, in identifying with Him, we acknowledge that He was pierced For our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. And because of his death. We now have peace with God. And we have reason to celebrate this morning. Because Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth died. So that we might be brought out of our slavery to sin and brought into his presence. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for your work on the cross. We thank you that you died for us so that we might be in your presence. We ask that you would be honored and glorified among us and that we would continue to proclaim your death. In your name we pray. Amen.